Well, this is the last of our short series of parables in Mark. This is the last of the, the parables that we find there. And we, we find it sort of setting us up for our Advent. We're not at Advent yet. Your Bible study might be this week. But we're sort of approaching that sense. But I'd like you to imagine it's a dark evening, maybe a November evening. And you're in a comfy chair, not my sleeping bag, and you're watching television. And it's not your favourite programme, but there's nothing else on. So you sit there watching and then suddenly with a jerk of the head, you realise that it's a different programme on the television. Time has passed. You must have dozed off. You've not been watching for quite some time. I'd like you to imagine a similar situation. You are watching something that really grabs your attention. It enthralls you. It pulls you in. You're watching it, listening, hanging on every word that's spoken. And you're really engaged with all that's going on. Well, at least you think you're engaged with all that's going on. And then you suddenly realise someone has called your name for the third time. You realise that your concentration was so focused on the box in the corner or in the middle of the wall, as it more often is these days, that you failed to realise that the person in the room with you was wanting your attention. I'm sure neither of these scenarios play out in your life, though they frequently do in mine with increasing regularity as I get a bit older. Um, in the first case, I've not really been watching. And I've drifted off. And in the second, my watching has been too focused in one direction. Failing to take account of what perhaps was more important. Something else going on next to me. We are to be awake, not just in the sense of not falling asleep, but awake to things surrounding us. Jesus, in the passage today, reminds us that while we await his return, we have to be alert for what is important. Though what is perhaps surprising to us is that Jesus declares that his return is an event that even he does not know when the time will be. And that in itself might catch us off guard as we read it. For throughout the gospel we realise how he speaks with authority. People who hear him say no one has ever spoken like this before. 
on this point, the time of his return, he says no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, only the Father. And this gives us an understanding of who the Son is. Someone higher than the angels in relationship with the Father, but yet not the Father. It also gives us an understanding of ourselves. No one knows, no one on earth knows, and not the angels in heaven. We're below them. We, humankind, are below them. Though in the words of David in Psalm 8, we're just a little lower. We've been given a position of trust and authority. A position to look after the earth. A position of dominion. And this is something about being awake to who we are and what's happening in the world. But this understanding of only the Father, not even the Son knowing, means we should be ignoring and rejecting anyone who is saying that the time is going to be on a particular date, a few months a few years away. A time that they have calculated, perhaps, based on events currently being witnessed in the world. The groaning of all creation, the wars that are horrific, the terrorist atrocities such as we saw in Paris on Friday night, are all, some would say, signs of the end times approaching. But we've actually been part of those end times for the past 2,000 years. Since the Lord ascended to his heavenly realm and equipped us to be his body through the sending of the Holy Spirit upon the church. We cannot predict the end we know it will come, that Christ will return, but no one knows, so be on guard. Is being on guard simply waiting? Is it just being there, twiddling our thumbs, waiting, watching, waiting? No, there's more to it than that, isn't there? And Jesus makes clear that as the master goes on a journey, he puts things in place for the work of the household to continue. Those of you who followed Downton Abbey or some other period drama will be aware that the servants had different roles. Cooks and maids. Gardeners and chauffeurs, butler and houseboy, valet and groom. Yet they're all part 
of one household, all called to be together, to work together, to see that the master's job is done, that things are right for him, to see that the house continues even when he goes away. Things are to be in place for his return. God calls us to many different duties. We've been given tasks to do while awaiting our master's return. So we must serve his will and think of how he calls us to live. And we get this same message of time being unknown and action in Acts chapter 1. Just before the Lord ascends, he says, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. So that idea of a time unknown, a time that we are perhaps not supposed to know or try and think about in trying to consider when it might be, is reiterated. And it's combined with the message that we will be equipped and we are to do God's work. We have to go out and be witnesses. Though that word witness is not a simple telling of what you believe to be true. For the more correctly from Greek, we would get martyrs. People who give up their all as they tell the good news. People who will not be dissuaded by somebody saying, well, I think something different. People that won't be persuaded by persecution. People who will hold on to their faith, even unto death. But throughout it all, will have this love of Jesus and share his message of hope. Which brings us back to the parable of the faithful servant who is keeping watch and the other faithful servants who are likewise responding to the call that the master has given them. Being faithful means that we will persevere. Whatever life throws at us. Now sometimes the things that we encounter will cause us great pain. And sometimes that will be physical pain. And sometimes it will be emotional pain. And sometimes it will be both. They often go hand in hand. It might be by illness, by things that have been said and done to us. Sometimes something we have discovered or seen that we would rather not have seen. 
things that have left us in shock. And such pains are not from God, but relate to the fallen world that we live in, where disease is present, and people fail to love as they should. It is clear from what Jesus says during his ministry, particularly in these chapters of Mark uh, in 13 uh, and in 12, when we have the parables relating to passion and kingdom, that he is aware that the believers will not necessarily have an easy life. Anyone that tells you that by becoming a Christian, your life will be easy, I've only got it partly true. You will go through things, but your life will be eased by knowing God. Because Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, can give us the strength and the strength of faith that we need to keep going, to keep awake until that time when he comes back. Persevering in our belief, the idea of keeping awake in this passage, means that we must not fall asleep, we must not lose our faith Because if we are found to be living without faith, when Christ comes, then we will not enjoy the life that is promised to be eternal. Instead, as challenges face us, we must follow in the footstep of our Master. We must not sleep, but shoulder the cross, heavy though it is, bearing its burden, while trusting in the saving love. Do not become comfortable in the world, so comfortable that you fall asleep, or so entranced by the world that you fail to be watchful for what you should be watchful of. Instead, be faithful. For he will come again. And that day might be soon. Amen.